My name is Zach Morgan and I'm 23 years old and I'm a newlywed and I am a retail employee and manager at a Target in Hiram. I grew up in church as a kid and, and went every Sunday with my family and that's kind of the thing that we did every single week and really all the way from the time I was born to the time I was 11 I was probably in church every single week. Once I didn't have to go to church anymore, once that whole deal was over and I, and I wasn't hearing those uh, things, I wasn't hearing those things anymore, it's so easy for me to fall into the world. So I start hanging out with a group of guys and, and one friend in particular. And, and so it was a guy I grew up with, I played baseball with him my whole life. And we're, we're like brothers, we're at each other's house every day. And so we're hanging out all the time. And, and eventually drugs started coming into the picture with his family or with some, his brother and, and him. And drugs opened up to alcohol to a, a list of other things and so every day I'm spending I'm trying to figure out a way to get to his house so we can we can do drugs together we can we can drink together when he comes over we're trying to hide it from our parents and and so it was just the, the temptation was so real and, and so there was no groundwork in my life for how to to get away from those things I started dating this girl when I was 16 years old and um, so this girl started dating and she goes to church every single week and always beg her, uh, don't go to church, stay and hang out with me, don't go, stay and hang out with me. We end up falling into some immorality. And as we keep going throughout our relationship, finally one day she just kept asking me, she's like, will you just come to church with me tonight so I don't have to, don't have to miss? My mom's getting really mad at me. So I'm like, you know what? Yes, finally I'll go. And so I start going to church with this girl and it's just a youth group and on Sunday nights. And so I'm hanging out with her and we're going to this youth group. And so something starts happening and, and I'm, I'm getting more and more interested I'm fighting it less and less every week and so I start going and eventually me and this girl after about a year break up and something happened in that year so I decided even though me and her broke up I'm going to keep going to this youth group and this was the first girl I'd really dated and so it was a big deal for me to keep going but there was something really drawing me to this place and so the time I decided there was no turning back for me was uh, I, one of my friends was moving out to California and he asked me if I wanted to come join him and at this point in my life I was really young right out of high school didn't have anything going for me and so I decided you know what um, yeah, I'll go with you, man. So, and it was something in that trip out there, and it was almost a wilderness experience for me that, that God fully said, you know what, no turning back to these other things anymore. And so it was from that moment on that I said, you know, these things aren't worth it anymore. Christ is my full devotion, and nothing else can take me from that. That's where my calling for ministry happened was while I was there. Um, I decided to go to Bible college while I was there. That's the whole reason why I came back home and, and to really take on this new journey that God was going to have me on. Well, man, I'm going to welcome you guys one more time, and I just want to say welcome to all of you who are guests with us today for our baptism celebration. We're so glad that you guys could come and hang out with us. Um, we're starting a brand new series today called No Turning Back, and over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to truly follow after Jesus. In our culture today, saying that you follow someone, it doesn't really mean anything significant at all. Oftentimes when we say we're following someone, what we really mean is this. We mean that we're spending time on somewhat of a regular basis watching someone's life from a distance and that someone could be a person we've never met, we have no relationship with, and we have no personal ties to, right? I mean, think about how this is true with me. Um, we follow people on Twitter. 
on Facebook, on Pinterest, on Instagram, on blog sites. And some of these people are friends, some are acquaintances. And some of these are people that, again, we don't know. We just kind of find interesting, right? Um, Some of us, we follow our favorite celebrities, our favorite musicians, our favorite athletes through you know, reading magazines, turning the TV on, uh, by, by following certain websites. Some of us, we even go to the games and concerts so we can have a front row seat of these people that we're following. Others of us, some of us, we even still follow all that's going on in our political world, right? By watching shows like Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. And listen, if you're a guest today, don't worry. Nobody's judging you here based on which one of those you watch, Okay. We may pray for you, um, depending on which one you watch, but, but nobody here is judging you. Listen, because of the way our world works, oftentimes we equate being someone's fan with being someone's follower. We're allowed to believe oftentimes that as long as we're interested in a person's life and we kind of check in on what's going on in their world on somewhat of a regular basis that we're following them. Now, this is not a bad thing, right? I follow a lot of people through social media that help make me both smarter and wiser, so I'm totally not discrediting the way our culture and world works to do. I think there's a lot of good that comes through that. But, but listen, what we have to understand when it comes to Jesus is this. Don't miss this. Following Jesus is different. You see, you have to understand today that Jesus isn't looking for people to follow him and just be somewhat interested in who he is. He's not looking for followers who want nothing more than to have a surfacy, superficial relationship with him only when it's convenient and easy to do so. Jesus isn't looking for acquaintance type of followers that see him as nothing more than, than their get out of hell free card. Jesus doesn't want those kind of followers. He's looking for true followers. He's looking for sold out, devoted, committed people who have a true desire, listen, to know him intimately, to actually be like him, and to live out his way of life here on the earth. And again, throughout the series that we're starting today, we're going to talk about how this is true by examining Jesus's own words and own teachings from Luke chapter 9. So if you have a Bible with you, or if you have a device with your Version Bible app on it, I want you to grab it out. Go to Luke chapter 9 with me, and as you're finding your way there, I'm just going to catch you up quickly on what's going on in this chapter in the book of Luke, all right? Um, the Bible tells us at the beginning of this chapter that Jesus, he's just sent out his 12 disciples to go do ministry, to preach good news, to cast out demons, and to heal people. Well, when his disciples finally make their way back to Jesus, the Bible tells us that a large crowd of people find them and that Jesus teaches them and he gives them a great meal, right? He, he sits down in front of 5,000 men. If you add in the women and children, it could have been upwards of 20,000 people. And with five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus miraculously feeds this crowd of people, the Bible says, until they're full, Now listen, after the miraculous meal takes place, we read that Jesus pulls his disciples together and he wants to know who all these people say that he is. So he asks his guys, all these people that we're feeding and doing miracles for and teaching, who do they say that I am? And the disciples look back at Jesus and 
They say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're an old prophet who's come back from the dead. So basically, they're telling Jesus, they think you're some old dead guy reincarnated, come back to life. That's who they say you are. And Jesus looks his guys in the face and he says, well, who do you think I am? And that's when Peter speaks up and he says, we believe you're the Christ, the Son of God. Now, it's interesting to me that at this point in the book of Luke, Jesus doesn't look at his guys and go... Okay, awesome. If you really believe that, here's what I want from you. Pray this prayer, I'll keep you out of hell, and then you can go on about your life. Right? He doesn't go, I'm so glad that you believe that. Check in on me every once in a while, and we'll be Facebook friends and everything will be all good. Right? Instead, he goes on in verse 23, and I want you to read this with me. Just this one simple verse. Listen. Jesus says to them all, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We're going to spend our time together this morning breaking down this one verse so that you and I can leave with a true understanding today of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this first phrase, deny yourself. What does it mean to deny yourself? Well, when you study this passage in the original Greek language of the New Testament, here's what you find. That phrase, deny yourself, means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interests and desires. So if you're sitting in your seat and you hear that and you're thinking, okay, James, um, you're saying if I want to follow Jesus that I have to forget about me completely. Is that what you're saying? That I got to forget about what I want, what I desire. I, I got to forget about things that I want to do and accomplish in life. Are you saying that I have to forget about me completely? And here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that's what Jesus is saying. I'm saying to you that a relationship with Jesus according to him, not me, means this. That you let go of trying to control your own life and that you give control of your life fully over to him. Now listen, I know this is hard for some of us, isn't it? It's hard for probably most of us in the room. And why? Because if you're anything like me, you love to be in control, right? All of us, man, I I would guess that most of the time want to feel in control of our lives. I'm reminded of this truth every night at bedtime in my house, right? I got a two-year-old daughter who is a night owl, I mean, the girl never wants to go to bed. I mean, it can be 1 o'clock in the morning, and she doesn't want to go to sleep. And so every night, we'll put our daughter down for bed, and we'll turn the monitor on in the living room, and she will sing her ABCs. She'll be saying stuff from Dora the Explorer. She's kicking the side of her crib, just having a great old time. Well, my wife, it drives her nuts. And oftentimes, my wife, she'll look at me and go, James, we have to make her go to sleep. And I will lovingly remind my wife that we can't make that two-year-old girl do anything that she doesn't necessarily want to do. It's a control issue. We have a hard time as people when we feel out of control of our lives. But, But listen, don't miss this. You have to understand that if your desire is to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you ultimate control of your life. 
If you want to follow Jesus at times, it's going to mean you pushing aside certain desires, certain emotions, certain plans, and giving yourself fully over to the desires and plans that Jesus has for your life. This is what it means to deny yourself, that you forget about you completely. When I was in high school, um, I had a guy in my life, he was a mentor of mine, and I saw this truth play out in his life in a way that has left me forever changed. Um, when I knew this guy, there was a, a season where he was going through a really crazy tough time, and, and I ended up sitting down and having a conversation. Here's what was going on. He had found out that his next-door neighbor had sexually molested his, like, four- or five-year-old little girl. Now, again, I got a two-year-old daughter at home. I can imagine what that's got to be like. I mean, if that was me, I'd be hunting a guy down, right? I mean, I might be going to jail for killing somebody. So this guy, he and his family are walking through this time, can't fathom the emotions he has to be feeling. And I'll never forget this story that someone else told about him, okay? Um, his neighbor, cops picked him up, took him to jail. Well, apparently his neighbor's grass was getting kind of long. So my friend, my mentor, what he did was this. He got out his own lawnmower. He put his own gas in his own lawnmower, and he walked next door to his neighbor's house, the same guy that sexually molested his daughter and spent his own time and his own resources cutting the man's grass. And I'm sitting here going, why in the world would you ever do that? And here's a guy going, I just felt like God wanted me to. I felt like in spite of all that I wanted to do to this guy, how angry I was. I wanted to kill him. That God kept going, the guy's grass needs to be cut. You should go cut the grass. And he walks next door, puts aside what he wants, all of his emotions, all of his desires, chooses to deny himself and to carry out what God was asking him to do. That's what it looks like to deny yourself. And true followers of Jesus, listen to me, this is what Jesus wants and expects of us. Give up control of you. The next thing he tells us is this, is that we've got to be willing, if we want to follow him, to take up our cross daily. Now, listen, if this crowd of people, including the disciples, didn't think Jesus was crazy enough after he said to them, if you want to follow me, forget about you. Give up control of your life and give it to me. This statement on the screens, take up your cross, this statement could have easily made the disciples believe that Jesus forgot to take his pills that morning, all right? Here's the deal. All that they knew about a cross during this time is that it was the most painful, violent, torturous way to die that a person could possibly imagine. All that they knew is if you found yourself taking up a cross, that it meant you were about to lose your life. You see, if Jesus was alive today, this would be like him sitting across from us and saying, if you want to know me, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, have a seat in the electric chair daily. I mean, that's weird, isn't it? But this is what the disciples were hearing. But it's important for us to understand what Jesus was getting at with this statement. He was telling his disciples then, and he's telling us today that if we want to be his followers, that not only do we have to forget about ourselves and give up control of our lives to him, but listen, that every single day of our lives, we should be willing to live in obedience to him no matter what it costs us, even 
if it costs us our very own lives. This is what Jesus was getting at. And I'm going to give you a picture of this so that you get it and we don't miss it, all right? I want you to imagine with me that this luggage that you see on stage are some of those things in your personal life um, that may prevent you from truly living in obedience to Jesus on a daily basis, okay? So let me put it in perspective. Um, Maybe for some of us, this is like our pride, all right? Maybe this is selfishness. Maybe this is a secret sin or an addiction in our lives. Um, Maybe for some of us, it it represents an unhealthy relationship. Maybe for others of us, it represents our pursuit of power and pleasure and stuff over everything else in life. You know, maybe for some of us, it, it really is kind of the burden of us trying to make God accept us through religion and trying to be good people. Whatever that may be, whatever it is that's preventing you from truly living in obedience to Christ, imagine that's what these bags represent. See, unfortunately, what a lot of us have been led to believe, and what some of us still choose to believe is this, is that we can carry around all of these things that prevent us from truly living in obedience to Christ while still having a relationship with Christ. We believe, you know what, I can carry on my pride and my selfishness and my secret sin and my addiction that nobody knows about. I can carry around this this love of of pleasure and power uh, above all else in life. I can carry this stuff around, but as long as I fit Jesus in there somewhere, it'll all be okay. While Jesus the whole time is going, listen, you got to take up your cross. If you want to follow me, it's going to cost you some things. It's going to cause you to have to lay down some things. you got to take up your cross if you want to follow me. And we're standing beside our cross going, well, I don't know if I can really take it up. I don't have enough hands for that. i got my, my hands too full. While Jesus is saying to you, you got to set down the baggage if you truly want to take up your cross and follow me. So listen, here's what it means for some of us in the room. It means that maybe for some of us, today, finally, we put our pride aside. It means that today, for some of us, finally, we admit to a friend or a spiritual leader our secret sin, our addiction, and we finally get help. It may mean for some of us that we get out of an unhealthy relationship that's damaging our lives. It may mean for some of us that we thin out our calendars a bit because there are too many things pulling us in too many directions. And because of that, it's hard for us to find time to live in obedience to the things that Christ is calling us to. Whatever your baggage is, Jesus is saying to you today, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you. You have to lay it down and you have to take up your cross every day, every day. That's what I want from my followers. Lastly, Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and then he says, follow me, follow me. But when Jesus first started his ministry, we see him going to several different guys, calling them away from jobs, calling them away from families, responsibilities, in order to follow him and to be a part of what he was getting ready to do in the world. Now listen, He's sitting across from these same guys in Luke 9, saying to them, if you want to be my followers, follow me. Follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty simple-minded kind of guy. I could imagine myself being the disciple in Luke 9, kind of in the back of the crowd, raising my hand going, okay, Jesus, um, 
help me out, bro, right? Like the deny yourself thing, that's kind of crazy. The cross thing, that you're out of your mind. But follow me. Jesus, did you forget we were here? That's all we've been doing for the last several months. We've been following you around everywhere. Jesus, did you forget about us? I mean, we're sitting right here in front of you. But listen, what we have to understand is what Jesus was really calling his disciples to in Luke 9. It's the same thing he's calling us to today. He was asking more of these men than them just being his physical shadow. He didn't just want them to kind of be his posse that went around with him everywhere he went. Instead, what he was calling them to with this simple phrase, follow me, is this. He was telling them that if they wanted to truly be his disciples, that they had to follow his ways and follow his teachings. That they had to be people who did what he did, who said what he said, who loved what he loved, and who hated what he hated. And church, look at me. It's the same for us today. You see, it's really easy to know if you're truly following Jesus. Because if you are, it's going to show in the words you speak and the things you do and the people that you love and the places that you go and in the evil that you hate. Here's some homework this week if you really want to figure this thing out. Am I following Jesus? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and get out this book. And listen, if you don't have a Bible, visit our connection desk before you leave today, and we'd love to give you a free one as our gift to you. But I want you to go home, open this book this week, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, the stories written about Jesus. And as you read about Jesus from the pages of this book, here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Does my life look like that? Does my life look like the life of the man that I read about in the pages of the scriptures? And if your answer is yes, then man, that's awesome. And my encouragement to you is this. Keep denying yourself. Keep taking up your cross every day and living in obedience to Jesus no matter what you have to lay down to do so and keep following him. But listen, if you pick up this book and you read it and you go, my life looks nothing like that. Nothing like the Jesus I see here. And furthermore, if there's no desire in you for it to be that way, then listen, you're not following him. And chances are, look at me, you may not know him. But the good news is this, is God loves you and Jesus wants a relationship with you in spite of you. So it doesn't matter what you walked in here today with. It doesn't matter what your baggage looks like. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. Jesus died for you so that you could be saved from all of this stuff you carry around on a daily basis and so that you could live a life that pleases him and is good for you, a life every day in which you are able to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow after Jesus. Now, listen, I, I want to to wrap our time up together by reading the rest of this passage because this is powerful. If you're sitting there going, well, James, why do I need to do that? Well, keep reading with me, all right? Pick back up, verse 24. Jesus goes on and he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Don't miss that. Let me just read that again. For whoever will save his life will lose it. And he goes on and says, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words 
of him the Son of Man be, will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You see, what Jesus is reminding us of in these verses is really, really simple. He's telling us that there's coming a day for every single one of us in this room where we will stand before God and it won't matter what we did for ourselves while we were here on the earth. Listen, it won't matter how much money you made. It won't matter what job you had, how big your house was, how nice your car was. It won't matter what school you went to, how many people thought you were awesome, how many Facebook friends you had. None of that stuff will matter. The only thing that will matter on that day is what you did for Christ. The only thing that will matter on that day is what you did here on the earth to impact eternity. And here's what we can be sure of. We can be sure that if we lose our lives for the sake of Christ while we're here on the earth, in other words, if we'll deny ourselves, if we'll take up our crosses and we'll follow him, we can be sure that on that day we see God face to face, it will be an amazing day. And here's why. Because God will literally stand next to Jesus and Jesus will be next to you and Jesus will point you out and call you by name and say, Father, this is my servant, and they did everything I wanted them to do while they were there. But on the other hand, listen, and this is the harder part, okay? Jesus says if we fail to lose our lives for his sake, if we choose to make our lives here on the earth more about us than about him, if we refuse to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses, and to follow him, listen, this is hard. I know it's hard. Jesus says he'll actually be ashamed of us on that day we stand before God and see him face to face. I mean, again, how hard is that to think of, that you and I can actually waste our lives here on the earth by refusing to follow Jesus, and on the day we stand before God, Jesus will actually say to him, I don't want to talk about them. I'm ashamed of them. God, let's not even bring them up right now. Listen, I don't want that for you. And I don't think anybody in this room wants that for our own lives. So what in the world do we do? What do we do? Well, it's simple. What do we do? We deny ourselves, we take up our crosses, and we follow Jesus. Every day we crawl out of bed and we choose to forget about us completely and to give Jesus complete control of our lives. Every day we lay aside whatever baggage in our lives that prevents us from following Jesus and living in obedience to him. And we take up our crosses and every single day we choose to live our lives like the Jesus we read about in the pages of this book. Knowing that that life is best for us and best for others. That's what we do. Now, if you're sitting here in the room and you're thinking to yourself, James, that sounds really hard. Those seem like some high expectations. Maybe some of us are here and going, dude, this is my first time in church, bro. You got to slow down, right? Like, I, I'm just trying to figure this out. Man, there's hope for all of us no matter where we are in our spiritual journey. But if you're thinking this is tough, there's two things that I want to remind you of, okay? One is this. Jesus isn't asking us to do anything for him that he hasn't already done for us. I mean, I want you to think about this with me. Did Jesus not deny himself 2,000 plus years ago when he chose to leave heaven wrapped in flesh to come into this world to live among us as sinful people? 
I mean, the Bible says that Jesus, who was rich, he became poor for our sake. He denied himself for you and for me. Did Jesus 2,000 years ago not take up his cross and choose obedience to God the Father? Well, absolutely he did, and he did it for us. At the end of his perfect life, he laid down his life. He died in your place and mine for our sins so that we could be loved by God, accepted by God, forgiven by God. And then he rose from the dead three days later, conquering sin, death, and hell on behalf of any who would ever put their faith in him as Savior and God. He did this for us. And his, his, his ask is this, just do for me what I've done for you. I gave everything for you, and I'm just asking you to give everything back to me. He just wants you to do for him what he's already done for you. He loves you, and his love for you should cause you and should cause me to choose the life he's called us to. The second thing I want to remind you of is this. Following Jesus isn't burdensome. But instead, it leads to joy and rest. Some of us need to hear this. Following Jesus isn't burdensome, but instead, it leads to joy and rest. And I want to show you what I mean from a passage in Matthew 11. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus, again, he's talking to a crowd of people. And I want you to read with me what he says. He says, Come to me, all who labor and all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, I- I've told you before, I grew up in church and I used to believe that this passage of scripture was a complete lie. I grew up in a church that was so rules-oriented, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And for a long time, I believed that it was my job to prove myself to God and to earn his love for me. And so I'd read a passage like this. I'm like, that's a joke. Following Jesus isn't burdensome? Are you kidding me? Like, I always felt like following Jesus was hard and joyless and nothing but a burden. But listen, I now know But that couldn't be further from the truth. You see, as I've started following Jesus, here's what I've learned. I've learned that Jesus' way of life doesn't rob me of freedom. His way of life ensures that I live in freedom every single day. His way of life offers me a way to be accepted by God and to be loved by God without having to follow a single rule and without having to do anything to prove myself. Jesus' way of life, I've learned, doesn't automatically make life easy, but here's what it does. It provides a way for the God of the universe to give me rest for my soul in life's hardest seasons and most overwhelming moments. I've learned as I've followed Jesus that Jesus, he doesn't steal joy from me. I've learned instead that following Jesus leads to joy and fulfillment that never fades away and that this world could never offer me. And let me ask you, look at me, who doesn't want those things? Who doesn't want true joy and happiness and fulfillment in life? Who doesn't want to know that when we walk through life's toughest moments that we have someone there to carry us through? Who doesn't want to know that every single day of life can be a day that we live in freedom from the very things that could destroy us and rob us of true joy and freedom? Who doesn't want those things? 
thing. All of us want those things, don't we? Well, here's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 11. If you follow me, I'll give them to you. If you'll deny yourself and you'll take up your cross and come after me, I'll make sure that all those things are yours. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. This is not a hard life when you choose me. Life's going to be hard at times. But John 16, Jesus says, but you don't worry. When life gets hard, you can trust that I've already overcome this world. And again, I'll give you rest in those troubled times. So look at me. Some of us today, here's what we have to start believing. We have to start believing that following Jesus isn't going to cost us the things in life that make us happy and lead to joy. We've got to stop worrying about what we might lose if we choose to follow Jesus. And we have to start believing that instead we have everything to gain. So let me tell you how we're going to close today. In just a moment, we're going to baptize some people. It's going to be awesome. I've been looking forward to this day for weeks now. We have a couple of tubs in the front of the room, and we're going to baptize people who signed up to be baptized today. But here's what I want to tell you. We don't just have two tubs set up today because we have a lot of people signed up for baptism. We do, and some of our services have a ton of people sign up for baptism. Um, I went and I got two tubs this morning believing that there were going to be people walking into this room today who needed to take a step and be baptized who've never been baptized before. And listen, I, I know some of us here, we might be thinking to ourselves a couple things right now. We might be thinking, okay, James, this is a weird transition. What does this whole baptism thing have to do with what we just talked about when it comes to following Jesus? And my answer is this, has everything to do with what we've talked about today, and here's why. Because the Bible teaches us that the simple act that people are about to take part in is the way that you and I publicly profess that we as individuals have decided to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses, and to follow Jesus, and for us, that there is no turning back. You see, when people are dunked in this water, it signifies that that's a person that believes that Jesus Christ has died for them and risen from the dead. It signifies that that person's old life died with Christ and that Christ has made them a new person. And they are saying publicly before a group of people like this that I belong to Jesus. He's everything to me. I'm following him and there's no turning back. That's what this simple act signifies. This is why baptism for us at Crosspoint is so important. And this is why when you read the scriptures that you find time and time again, commandments to be baptized, be baptized, be baptized, be baptized. I mean, you don't join a team without putting a team jersey on, do you? You don't get married to someone without having a wedding ceremony, do you? Well, it's like this, except with Jesus. This is the way I'm going to stand in front of a group of people and say, I'm his and he is mine, and we're in this thing forever. This is baptism. So listen, I got two tubs today, having faith and believing that there are some of us in this room who say we've decided to follow Jesus and that there's no turning back for us, yet we've never made that decision public by climbing in a tub like this and being dunked in front of a group of people. And if you're here and the next thing you're thinking is, James, that sounds awesome. Maybe I'll sign up for the next time. I didn't come prepared today. I don't have clothes. I don't have a towel. Listen to me. We got it all taken care of. We didn't want anybody to have an excuse today to say, well, I can't be baptized. 
yeah, I've decided to deny myself, take on my cross and follow Jesus, but I don't want to follow him like that today, right? I can't. Here's the deal. In the back of the room, we got clothes, we have undergarments, we have towels. All it's going to cost you today to be baptized and to publicly say that you've decided to follow Jesus is you leaving a little more wet than when you walked in the door. That's all it's going to cost you. And this church is going to celebrate with you. And we're going to celebrate the fact that you as a person have been taken a hold of by Christ and that he's everything to you. So in a moment, we're going to pray. And here's how this is going to work. Right after we pray, we're going to stand and we're going to sing some songs. And if you need to be baptized this morning along with those who've registered for today, as soon as we stand, I'm going to just challenge you to get out of your seat to go to the back of the room. We have tables set up back there with story cards. Our response team's going to be back there meeting you and helping you fill those out. You can get changed. And then we're going to celebrate what God has done in your life. And we're going to celebrate your commitment to him. Let there be no turning back for you today. Have you decided to follow Jesus? And have you said it publicly? If not, let today be the day. I'm going to ask you all around the room to just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm going to pray for us.